This is a Federal News Network podcast. In an unlikely sounding pairing, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation has formed what it calls a strategic partnership with engineering school at Duke University. Students will work with the FDIC on innovation and topics like finance and risk management. Here with more, the director of Duke's Master of Engineering in FinTech and Cybersecurity Programs, Dr. Jimmy Lenz. Dr. Lenz, good to have you on. Great to be here, Tom. Thanks very much for the invitation. When I think of engineering school, I think of bridges and girders and rocket ships, but not FDIC. So what is the connection here to begin with? Yeah, that's a great question. We in the engineering school build things. We build all kinds of things. And one of the things that we're building probably more often than not are things that are a little less tangible than the bridges and buildings. And uh, as fintech continues to grow, the need for people with those skills, those applied skills in building different kinds of things has just proliferated. And so we're one of just a couple of engineering schools in the United States that actually has a Master of Engineering in Financial Technology. And so the FDIC recognizes the applied value of that versus the theoretical that you might have in other schools and has partnered with us on this venture. And what are some of the engineering aspects of banking and finance other than, you know, designing bank buildings, which I'm kidding about, but how does engineering (laughs) apply in finance? So if you look at some of the latest advances in finance and in financial services, you're going to see fintech all over it. And I think about some of the dramatic changes that you've seen basically since the last financial crisis, I mean the one in 2008-2009, you see a lot of really monumental changes in the industry. Things like Rocket Mortgage, basically a non-bank, has become the largest mortgage lender in the United States. Well, a lot of that is done through engineering, through user interfaces, through different ways that customers interact with the financial institution. You've seen some other financial services companies like Robinhood that have changed the way that people think about investing with a brokerage firm. Basically, it's designed to operate from a mobile phone. And you see the tremendous growth that they've had. Not only have both of those firms had tremendous growth, but they've changed the business models that have been around for literally hundreds of years. In the case of Robinhood, of course, they have almost forced the industry to go to a zero commission model. Well, for a relative upstart, been around for probably five years, that's such a monumental change. And you see engineering behind all of those things, engineering that has proliferated throughout the industry and that has facilitated a different kind of customer interaction in a lot of cases, but also a different kind of business model. So it's actually very, very dramatic, the change that engineering is making in these different sorts of somewhat staid services, but we've basically changed the way that that a lot of the products have been delivered. So it's really designing new models of delivery and then backfilling with the processes and technologies needed to deliver that new model. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. But I'll go one step further, and quite a bit of what we're seeing right now on the cusp, things like decentralized finance, which I know you're familiar with, 
A lot of that is engineering at its heart. Quite a bit of that is, well, it's all facilitated through software and through code. And so when you talk about you know, decentralized finance and you talk about smart contracts and things like that, those, of course, are pretty much 100% engineering. And that, I would say, is right now the leading edge or cutting edge probably between decentralized finance and cryptocurrencies. And those are way out of the realm of most traditional finance-related programs in universities. Yes, I've been reading about cryptocurrency now for a couple of years, and I can't understand what it is. <laughs> Maybe it's a function of age. But let's get to uh, you, Duke University and FDIC. By the way, we're speaking with Dr. Jimmy Lenz. He's the director of Duke's Master of Engineering in Financial Technology and Cybersecurity Programs. What is the FDIC's interest in these new things? I would imagine they have to figure out the regulatory apparatus that, if they are well, legally required to, has to apply to these new models? Absolutely. I think there are a couple of interests. So the FDIC appointed their very first head of innovation probably three or four months ago, Sultan Megji. And Sultan has a, a very different purview, I think, than most people think about in the FDIC, where he is looking at all sorts of innovation that's taking place in the environment for both financial innovation and in the cybersecurity space. So his purview is quite wide. And in his new role, he was looking for some university to partner with to kind of help on, I think, a lot of these and to give a different perspective to a lot of these areas that he currently you know, sits over. In doing that, I think the FDIC is recognizing the couple of different values that a university brings to the table. One, they bring a different perspective. When we're talking about students and researchers and things like that, they're not quite as jaded by industry experience. And so they think in sometimes much broader terms. They are also very used to looking at things in an applied manner. So everything's done in an engineering school, of course, is applied. As you mentioned at the top, the uh, building of bridges and buildings and things like that, we build things. And so actually understanding the applied versus the, the theoretical is very important. But to your question around what the FDIC is looking for, it, it's just as you say, they're looking at these cutting edge technologies they are looking at what are the ramifications of some of these things and what might happen in the near future. So in partnering with an engineering school that has this uh, fintech program, they're kind of getting the best of all worlds, the finance world through the, the fin part of, fin of fintech, and then the, the understanding of the technology and the implications of the technology in everything from traditional services, all the way through things like cutting edge that we talked about, decentralized finance or DeFi and uh, cryptocurrency. And will there be students as well as faculty involved, and will they be working directly with FDIC on projects? Absolutely. In fact, Sultan and his team have hit the ground running. We will have three or four internships this summer. So that's how fast we put this in place. Most people see the FDIC as kind of the state organization. But remember, the FDIC is the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. So they are an insurance company at heart, and they're thinking in a very progressive way. So even though the partnership's only about a month old, we've already basically architected three or four different internships that students will be working on throughout the summer. They will hit the ground running on May 10, and uh, they will work throughout the summer on these. So 
it is moving much faster, I think, than most people uh, normally associate with these governmental or quasi-governmental type of uh, partnerships. Yeah, so it sounds like risk management would be a big part of this because, as you point out, FDIC, when you look at it through the lens of an insurance company, risk management is essential to their functioning. Absolutely. It is a core part of any insurance company is that understanding of risk. And a good number of our students are very interested in risk management, in particular, the quantitative side of uh, risk management. So the idea of being able to do risk management in a much more automated fashion, but in also a fashion that is much more scientific and uh, maybe a little more science than art. I think in the past, and I've had some experience with this, the idea of risk management was often one of reporting what went wrong while trying to manage, but, but a lot of it was around reporting. This is much more oriented towards looking out the curve a little bit and trying to forecast the probabilities of what may happen and understanding what the ramifications of that are. And engineers are really well equipped to do that kind of work. And therefore, sounds like there's a large data aspect to this, data analytics, artificial intelligence, new tools to understand risk, especially in these cyber realms where so much is happening. You are 100% correct in that uh, regard. There is a lot of data, a lot of uh, machine learning and things like that. I still teach in the program, and uh, one of the courses that I teach is machine learning for financial technology. It's a school of thought, and it's a number of courses here within the engineering school that are very, very popular with students. And we have a number of different areas that we, we apply machine learning and artificial intelligence to. This is certainly one of those. It provides students with a great set of data and new kinds of problems to work on, but also to expand their thinking. And as I said, the one nice thing about students is they're not jaded by experience. And so they tend to be, I think, a little bit freer with their thoughts than people who have been in industry, say, you know, 15 or 20 years. And they're able to, uh, to think about things and setting up problems, uh, modeling things in a little bit different way than, uh, say, you or I might that have uh, a lot of experience, you know, in the industry and just in the world. Yes, they don't need the memory of passbooks at your local bank with red ink and black ink and blue ink, do they? They, uh, they do not, uh, they are not constrained by, uh, by such thinking, for sure. The idea of uh, virtual currencies and things like that, which you see written about quite a bit, you know, the, the central bank digital currencies and some of the, uh, the cryptocurrencies and things like that, they are much more adaptable. They seem to glean onto those notions in a much different way than people in some of the more traditional sectors. Because of that, I think they have a, a really unique perspective that they can add to these problems. I'm not going to say it's always right, but it causes us to kind of broaden our considerations. And that, I think, is super important, the idea of having a really, really wide swath of considerations. If we look back not even too far, you know, I think that a lot of the risk that individual companies and even systemic risk that occurs in the environment is probably due to the fact that people had a very, very narrow view of what risk was or a very narrow purview of, of what could happen. Students, fortunately, haven't had those experiences. And so because of that, they tend to have a much broader purview and ask those questions, why can't this happen? All of this then is predicated on the fact that banking itself, the concept of what is a bank, what is savings, has so radically altered in the cyber era that the FDIC senses the need to keep up, basically. 
I think you you are hitting the nail right on the head. The FDIC has been very, very successful in their mission over the history of the organization, and we see that kind of time and time again. We've seen financial crises, but we haven't seen some of the issues that we saw, say, early in the last century around bank failures and things like that. So it, they have done, I think, a, a, an excellent job, but they are also very cognizant that the world is changing. And as you say, I mean, I'll give you a great example. So I'm often asked uh, at conferences and things like that, what do I think the the future holds for traditional banks, for you know, kind of these legacy banks that are out there? And I'll usually pause for a second and say, what's a bank? And I think that kind of goes to the heart of the matter. It's kind of like I mentioned at the very beginning. You see the largest mortgage lender in the United States isn't a bank, right? It's Rocket. If you look at the uh, company that is number one in refinancing student loans, SoFi, it's not a bank. If we look at you know some of the things that are happening in the environment, the largest small business lender, boy, to me, small business lending is kind of the core of banking, what I think of banking. So the largest small business lender in America is probably not a bank that you've ever heard of before. It's Live Oak Bank with one branch in Wilmington, North Carolina, but they're the largest small business lender in America. You know, it's this kind of notion where banking has changed so dramatically that the FDIC has keyed in on and they see the value in in staying, you know, kind of ahead of the curve and and maybe being able to to architect the curve a little bit even. Dr. Jimmy Lenz is director of the Masters of Engineering in FinTech and Cybersecurity programs at Duke University. Thanks so much for joining me. Tom, it's been a pleasure. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader. All of these are backward-looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. 
Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. Uh, led This is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime and uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Consumers and businesses rely on digital banking solutions more than ever. Redefine your financial institution's digital presence with the award-winning Aperture Digital Banking Platform. Integrated with more than 200 fintech partners in 40 cores, we give you the speed to innovation you need to grow and retain customers. Learn more about our number one rated mobile banking app and all our cloud-based digital banking solutions at Aperture.com. That's Aperture, A-P-I-T-U-R-E.
www.thepeopleshow.com.